Aloha and welcome to Abe's Ukulele Podcast. I'm Abe and this is my podcast. If you are new to the show, thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. This is a show I do once a month so far. I'd like to do it more often, but for now, once a month is where we're at. It's just about the ukulele, playing it, teaching it, listening to it, anything that uh, I find interesting and makes me a better musician, teacher, player, etc., etc., I will share it with you, and that's what this show is about. If you are a returning listener, thank you for joining us again. Make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening to this so that you're notified of new episodes. This month I will have a lot because it's quite a busy month. So today I have an awesome interview with the one and only, the amazing Jake Shimabukuro, possibly the best player in the world. Um, uh, he came through on a tour to Fairfield, Connecticut, where I had a chance to sit down with him and hear their sound check. And then I heard the concert afterwards that he played that night. And it was just unbelievable. A quick note about the audio quality of the interview. It was quite a noisy room that we were doing the interview in. So please forgive the extra noise. I believe you can still get plenty from the interview and maybe it even feels more like you're in the room because of it so anyway here it is jake shimabukuro can still vividly remember the first time he held an ukulele at age four It was an encounter that would shape his destiny and give the world one of the most exceptional and innovative uke players in the history of the instrument. An artist who has drawn comparisons to musical titans such as Jimi Hendrix and Miles Davis. So I'm here in uh, Fairfield Theatre Company with the one and only, the legend himself, Jake Shimabukuro. Hey, thanks, Avi. Thank you very much for having <laughs> me on the show. Thank you for doing I this. I appreciate this. Um, so I obviously wanted to talk to you about ukuleles and, um, you know, everything related to ukuleles. But first, and I was dying to know this, I wanted to know what are your two favorite songs to play? So the first being your own song that you play and then yeah. the second being a cover of someone oh, else oh man oh there's so many <laughs> songs that i love playing it's hard to i uh, just pick two um for me personally i guess my my own stuff I, I don't know i mean they're all um a lot of times they're inspired by different things mm-hmm. and so i have um i have a song that was inspired by a friend of mine, you know, mm-hmm. whose uh, grandmother was very ill, and um, and I remember when she was in the hospital, she would have hallucinations of these blue roses mm. above her bed, um, and she would share this with us and tell us, yeah, like sometimes she sees the petals falling on top of her, mm. and I remember sitting there thinking, wow, that's you know, such a beautiful vision to have, you know, because she was she was very sick. And not doing very well, and um, and 
Yeah, and then, you know, uh, shortly after she had passed, um, I just kind of had had that. Uh, I remember her just telling us about the Blue Roses and, and it inspired, you mm-hmm. know, a, a song. So I, I wrote a piece and it's called Blue Roses Falling, but it basically just kind of tries to recreate, I guess, sonically you know mm-hmm. kind of what she was describing wow. to us at the time so That's i mean beautiful. so like for me you know songs that um that actually uh, have some sort of story or that comes from some kind of personal experience or something that i felt that's a mm-hmm. direct um i guess uh, something that i created out of out of an, an emotion or a feeling that i had you know those um are interesting for me to play because it takes me right back to that moment. Mm-hmm. As soon as I start, as soon as I play that first chord, I mean, it just takes me back mm-hmm. to that time when I was when we were all in the hospital visiting her. Mm. Um, and I guess uh, cover tunes. George Harrison's "While My Guitar Gently Weeps" will always be a very special one for me because um, that's what really started my mm-hmm. touring career. There was a video clip that went viral on, on YouTube uh, of me playing that song. And so for me, it will always kind of have uh, that special meaning because mm-hmm. it's the song that kind of uh, you know, started all of this. And then also Mike uh, has that connection to George Harrison because George Harrison um, loved the ukulele. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that I don't know. Sometimes I feel like a lot of his songs just work so well on the ukulele, mm-hmm. and, and I, I often wondered if he got some of the ideas for some of his songs by mm-hmm. just messing around on the ukulele, and then mm-hmm. later just transcribed it for guitar or other instruments. But you know, things like, of course, while my guitar Jenny weeps, or something, or um, you know, here comes the sun. Like those, all oh, the, mm-hmm. the voicings and just the way the the. Um, just, just, just the way the, uh, her, the the voicings move. I mean, it just mm. sits so perfectly on the ukulele. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. Those are those are great songs. <laughs> um, for me, the uh, I you know I heard the your version of my while my guitar gently weeps, and for me, it's not. Um, I've never been a huge fan of like certain vocal melodies being transcribed to ukulele, mm. and it's like. You know, like so many people have said before, it's truly mind-blowing, like what it became on the ukulele. Um, so to jump ahead, um, I was wondering, like, could you talk a little bit more about your songwriting process uh, in terms of... So you're on tour right now for Nashville Sessions still. Mm-hmm. Um, first of all, what what has that been like? And then what were some of the decisions that went into writing those songs? I've been listening to Blue Haiku, like oh on, yeah, on the uh-huh. loop the past few days. Yeah, it's like it's just incredible just to dive into like. So could you talk about like where? How did you get there? <laughs> yeah, gosh. Um, huh, let's see. Yeah, well, Nashville Sessions is my first uh, all original record. Hmm. Um, I've always, I've always, uh, I guess I've kind of started my career doing a lot of cover tunes Mm -hmm. because I just didn't have, um, I mean, I still don't have a lot of confidence in my own writing Mm -hmm. and my own pieces. (laughs) And, um, but yeah, but that was, so that was, uh, the Nashville sessions record was very challenging for me, you know, because I, um, 
I, I never, I, I never, uh, you know, composed so many different melodies mm -hmm. before in such a short period of time, and um, and I don't really have a process. Um, I guess uh, you know, but I, I'm not the type of person that can just sit there. If you say write a song right now, like I can't mm -hmm. just do that. But um, but if I know I have to, if I know I have to work on a new tune, or write a piece, or come up with an idea, uh, sometimes I can sit with my ukulele and come up with something. Mm -hmm. But it's funny, like sometimes I find that if I'm sitting there with my instrument and just trying to find different things and just nothing's happening, nothing's speaking to me. I'll uh, if I'm back at if I'm back home uh, if I'm in Hawaii, I'll just um, like I'll go to the beach mm -hmm. or I'll go to the park and just get some fresh air. Um, I'll go snorkeling or something, mm -hmm. you know, or um, not with you, Claudia. Yeah, or go <laughs> fishing. Just mm -hmm. something to kind of take me away from it, you know, for a few hours. Then when I come back and I pick up the ukulele again, it's like. It feels fresh, mm -hmm. and that's and that's usually when something will mm. will uh, I'll, I'll get a, an mm -hmm. idea for something, and so it's it's very interesting. For I I can't I, I don't know why, but a lot of the songs that I do write, they 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 come quickly. Like once I once I get that initial idea, mm -hmm. the song comes quickly. Mm. But it's getting that. Mm. Getting that first, you know, getting your foot in the door yeah. <laughs> to that creative <laughs> space is is always challenging. But I find that if I do, if I do things like, especially fishing is something I love doing. So when I when I go out there, if I go fishing or do something, you know, near the ocean, um, mm -hmm. I notice that I it really clears my mind, mm. and when I come back, I I feel creative again. Yeah, going out to nature is a uh, really really almost like. A reboot, mm. you know, like it's like a restart or something. Yeah, it's almost like um, you ha you have to trick yourself, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> in some ways. But yeah, and and just the more experiences that you can have, like mm -hmm. I, I mean, that's why I love traveling so much and putting myself in these different situations because every time you feel something new, then you want to learn how to express that, mm -hmm. and you yeah. pick up your instrument and you figure out a way and then that usually leads to a, a mm -hmm. song or a, a new piece or something yeah um so to kind of expand on that um something i'm always really interested in is the space that the ukulele takes up in a band um so in your movie uh, life on four strings mm -hmm. you explained that you started in pure heart and then you kind of experimented a lot with effects mm -hmm. and different things and then eventually you came back to um i don't remember the exact wording but it was the natural voice of the ukulele mm. and then now you're touring with a bass player and a guitar player mm -hmm. um so i was wondering how how did that band sound develop uh and like how do you navigate i mean of course you're the you're the solo artist so it's it's like the band has to support you but how do you navigate that space of where does the ukulele belong in a group does that make mm, sense yeah oh it's 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 hard, you know. Um, I think bass, the bass guitar, and the ukulele work very well together. I especially love electric bass and mm. ukulele. A lot of times, you know, the, the natural thought would be acoustic bass, mm -hmm. right? But I think that having the electric bass 
and the ukulele because the ukulele uh, utilizes a, a piezo pickup mm-hmm. or a piezo pickup. Um, I've, I never knew what the right pronunciation I, was, I piezo or piezo. <laughs> so, yeah, please, uh, if, if you hear anything, let me know. <laughs> I've heard it said both ways. Mm-hmm. but um, So piezo or piezo pickup on the ukulele has a very... Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, a very distinctive character mm-hmm. to it, and I think that sometimes when you have uh, an upright bass, um, sometimes I think because most upright basses uses a mm-hmm. piezo pickup as well, um, they I don't know they it's it's funny because they they're such they're such on different they're they're one's a very very low instrument the other one's a very high instrument right in the upper mm-hmm. register. But sometimes just that t- this having the same type of pickup, I feel like they can step over each other. Mm. Versus <laughs> having an electric bass with the magnetic pickups, yeah. it has a completely different character to it. Mm. And I feel like it leaves more space for the ukulele. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, I, I, so I really like the electric bass and the, and the, and the, um, the ukulele with, with the piezo pickup. I think that's a really nice marriage um, I think they they don't get in each other's way. They don't fight for frequencies or fight mm-hmm. for space. They blend very well together. Um, you have a lot more uh, the 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 balance of the you know the the, the volume of each instrument. You, uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a lot more forgiving mm-hmm. because I mean even if you were to crank the bass, you can still hear the uke, mm-hmm. and if you were to crank the ukulele, you can still hear the bass. That's um, interesting. I so. So I think it's it's a lot easier to mix, mm-hmm. and it's 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 a lot more forgiving on the ears. Mm. Um, now adding the electric guitar, so that was the other thing. I didn't want to add acoustic guitar again because of that same mm-hmm. problem, right? I didn't want it to I didn't want it to occupy the same sonic character mm. as ukulele. So um, Dave, so Nolan Verner is our is you know our bass player. Um, he plays plays a Fender um, a P bass, mm-hmm. um, and then. Dave Preston, who who's our electric guitarist, you know, again, uh, I think the something about the magnetic pickups, um, and and we're so used to hearing electric bass and electric guitar together, mm-hmm. they work so well um, sonically, but it's also the way that Dave Preston plays. You know, he doesn't approach the electric guitar like a normal electric guitarist. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, he really approaches it more like a. Uh, it's it's a lot more symphonic, mm-hmm. where he he'll do a lot of um, beautiful pads and ambient sounds, mm. and his the 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 different textures that he creates, I think is uh, is just really <laughs> amazing. I mean, sometimes he sounds like an organ, sometimes he sounds like a keyboard. Uh, sometimes he sounds like a, like a string section. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he sounds like a horn section. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy, and he he um, creates these sounds uh, in a very analog, organic mm-hmm. way. So it's not just like a like a MIDI thing or like a, a digital effects mm-hmm. thing. But you know, he creates all of these sounds in um, in a very kind of a, in a very organic way, and. I think it just provides just a nice bed, you know. the 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 bass occupies the whole bottom end. The ukulele occupies the the the, the top. Mm-hmm. But 
the guitar is able to um, to kind of just um, just uh, I don't know be this bubble around the instrument, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of be the glue that keeps it all together. And yeah. it's a it's a very interesting sound. So I I've been very um, I, I I'm very excited about the 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 um, the music that we've been creating and arranging you know mm-hmm. as, as a trio uh, I think this is very special but more so than just the instruments you know it's really the the players and mm-hmm. the way that the way that they think about music the way that they approach music um, their influences uh, and just the chemistry you know mm-hmm. I think the chemistry is so important um, you know when you're when you're up on stage with a group of musicians you all have to kind of be one person mm-hmm. and um and that's that's the a beautiful thing and I, I just feel so grateful to have mm-hmm. met you know nolan and dave and they've just mm. been uh it's been very inspiring for me and i learned so much from them and i, I just love the sound that we we've been creating together mm-hmm. mm. that's awesome so uh just to kind of and maybe it's the same question maybe you already answered it but uh to kind of tag on to that what throughout your whole life what um how have your bandmates made you a better player oh. whether they're playing your instrument or something completely different yeah so um yeah dave preston is really a, a master at um utilizing different effects in a very musical way you know he kind of specializes in this ambient guitar mm-hmm. sound but if uh but you know, but he can still shred too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just—he's so versatile, and so I'm constantly, you know, learning from him. Um, you know, different, different techniques, different sounds. Really, the, I hear him do things on his guitar. I'm like, oh man, that's so cool, mm-hmm. and kind of inspires me to to create new ways. You know, mm-hmm. to um, to play my instrument so that. It can be more complementary to mm. what he's he's doing. Um, Nolan is just such a solid bass player. His his groove and his time is so impeccable. So playing with him a lot because I, I was playing solo for a long time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but playing with him, especially since we we did a lot of we we played for about three years together just as a duo before mm-hmm. we added Dave Preston before we met Dave. So Nolan and I, you know, playing with Nolan a lot uh, really helped me with just, you know, finding a steady groove, um, Mm. just helped me with my time a lot Mm -hmm. more because playing as a solo artist, you know, you're you're always weaving in and out of tempo. And uh, but the interesting thing is, you know, playing together for so long and just really rehearsing a lot and spending time together you're able to still do those pushes and those pulls mm-hmm. but together you know in a, in a way that is um, is very musical and mm-hmm. I, I think very satisfying mm-hmm. you know not everything needs to be so locked in okay this is the tempo and just <laughs> you know because sometimes in the chorus you want to push it yeah. just a couple db you know and then and then you kind of want to slow down coming out of it you know so so you want to you know almost approaching it like a uh, you know, like more more orchestral, you know, mm-hmm. where it's the the melody kind of dictates the, yeah. the groove or the tempo, 
versus you know just having a very steady mm-hmm. yeah beat mm. um so uh on tour do you have a lot of time to practice outside of rehearsal or is it almost completely like how m- your time spent on the ukulele when you're on tour mm-hmm. is it a lot of work because you're preparing for something specific like the performance tonight for example or do you find you still have time to just noodle around yeah it's usually when we're on tour we'll kind of noodle around like during the uh sound checks Mm -hmm. we'll we'll usually have an idea like oh yeah let's try to work this one up and you know so for the next couple sound checks we'll Mm kind of mess with it and be like yeah that that sounds good it feels good Mm -hmm. and then we'll try it at the next show Mm -hmm. or something awesome you know so it's it's always it's constantly the the tunes are always evolving i mean every time we sound check a song you know one of us will always say like hey last night when we played this i was thinking what if we went to this or what Mm -hmm. if we did you know what if we um added this or maybe changed this out Mm -hmm. you know so so the the songs are constantly evolving Mm -hmm. and I think that keeps it interesting, you know, for, yeah. for all three of us. Yeah. That's awesome. I think you can only really get there when you know the song really well. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It's like I, I tell my students that we're just going to learn it as it is, and then we can take our artistic expression and yeah. just go crazy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on that same note, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> <laughs> um, so when people ask, how do I get better or how do I how do I get this? How do I learn this? Uh, mm-hmm. The common advice I always give, I always get, is just practice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, how do you, why, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? You practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's very true. But I was wondering if you had any more uh, specific tips to add on to that because it's always nice to hear some something refreshing other than just practice because it's, it's, I find it's very true. If I just practice, I can get anything. Some of the hardest pieces I can play it was really because I slowed it down and I mm. just played it one note at a time. Mm-hmm. Some people will see me play it and it's like, I don't even realize that my fingers are moving the way they are. Mm. And then I look at a video and it's like, I didn't even think I could do this. Mm. But it's just because I practiced and I slowed it down. So I was wondering if you had any tips to expand on that idea of just practice. Yeah, I think the key to that is, um, you know, making the instrument very accessible like Mm. um and what i mean by that is like for example think about like when you're home right is is there a place that you uh like where do you spend most of your time you know if it's on the sofa in the living room or uh you have an area in the kitchen or in your Mm. bedroom where you spend a lot of time whatever um i think it's important to just keep your instrument right there ready to go ready to go not even in the case just mm. out of the case because as soon as you sit down if it's sitting right there you're just going to reach for mm. it and start playing right it's but true. then if you're sitting on the sofa and you're like oh i kind of want to play my ukulele oh but it's in the closet and <laughs> i gotta go grab it and i gotta take it out of the case mm. and you know and then come back like you just want to so wherever wherever you feel most relaxed and you spend a lot of time just kind of sitting there I mean, even if it's in front of the TV, mm. you know, wherever you sit to watch television, that way, whenever you sit down to watch a, a show, you know, you sit down, your ukulele is right next mm-hmm. to you. It's, it's out of the case already. All you have to do is put it on your, on your lap mm. and it's right there. And then before you know it, you'll, you'll, be, you'll be playing it for at least 15, 20 minutes, you know, or wow, maybe yeah. even an hour. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, that's the most important thing. I mean, I, I, I tell people, 
if there's anything that you want to learn or you want to, you know, anything that you want to do or incorporate more into your daily life that, uh, that is always a struggle to mm -hmm. just get started or going, you know, just keep it, <laughs> keep it within reach. Mm. I mean, like if, if you, if you want to exercise more, you know, like we, we used to have an exercise machine upstairs, but it's like I would never use it. As soon as I brought it downstairs, mm -hmm. as soon as I brought it downstairs into the living room, I'm on it every single day. Wow. You know, you because <laughs> that's where I spend most of my time. It's right there. It's like, oh, yeah, while I'm watching this program, I'm just going to mm. go and think. Or oh, yeah, while I'm talking on the phone mm -hmm. or returning these emails, I'm just going to go on the treadmill mm. and just do all that, right? If I'm doing a anything at all, I'm, I'm right there and it's right next to me. So I think, I think that that. Uh, is the same for instruments or I mean when I was learning new songs um, I would I would get uh, I would actually take the copy of the sheet music mm -hmm. I would take it to uh, Kinko's or like one of those um, printing places and I would print out a big sheet like a, mm -hmm. a, like a big you know not not poster size but you know but but big where I could kind of see it from a distance and I would tape it to the wall Oh. So I would tape it in the living room awesome. because every time I, I mm -hmm. walk past that wall or I'm, or I'm right there, it's, it's already out. I don't have to go to a folder, mm -hmm. open up the folder, take out the sheet of music, put it on my music stand, yeah. get the chair, sit down over there. Okay, now I'm going to practice. <laughs> but I have my ukulele oh. already. It's right there on the wall. I can uh. see it. And, oh, you know, and it's always on my mind. Wow. And so I think that that's that's the key you know um the other thing i would always do is i i always i usually always keep like a like a cheap ukulele in my car mm. because if i'm if i'm driving to pick somebody up and i'm i'm, I'm waiting mm -hmm. i'm in the car i just reach under the seat <laughs> and there's there's my you know there's my ukulele and i'm just like practicing yeah. right hand technique strumming things mm. whatever I already have a metronome downloaded on a metronome app on my mm -hmm. iphone so yeah you know so i'm just practicing and I think uh, the, the more you know if you can set up these little stations mm -hmm. like all over your house and you know at the workplace in your car yeah. in the home then you're gonna practice more and I think that that's that's uh, the, the key is to just to just Make you know get as much as much play time as possible yeah oh that's such a great point oh my gosh uh, mine is uh, well one of my ukuleles is it's in its case mm -hmm. but it's always under my feet like right where my desk is mm. but there's still that sense of well it's a it's a Calton case that's the one mm -hmm. so it's like yeah you know opening the so, latches is like <laughs> so you have, you have your footstool yeah exactly you know. <laughs> it's really weird when I don't have it there because I you know I was doing something with it and then it's gone and I notice mm -hmm. right away so it's kind of like it's becoming a part of my routine but there's still that sense of it's not that easy to get to yeah. um I have four kids so it's not it's not easy for me to like leave it out somewhere and trust mm -hmm. it'll be okay um you know i have a piano out uh they have their own instruments i try to make them very accessible that's a, but that's a really great point mm -hmm. just make it easy to get to yeah in, in my living room at home because i have two kids mm -hmm. they're five and two but i have like four at least four um you know they're they're imported ukuleles like just cheaper ones so if they, mm -hmm. they drop it's not a big deal mm -hmm. but i have four of them and we're always playing them because mm -hmm. they're they're just kind of sitting around the you know in the living room yeah. so my sons would just pick it up all the time and play mm -hmm. you know if i'm sitting there i just pick it up and i start playing it mm -hmm. or we play together and it's just mm -hmm. it just makes it 
it's just so so quick and 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 there there have been a couple of times where i just picked up i mean even it's like one of those cheaper you know entry ones entry yeah. level ones but i just pick it up and i start strumming so i'm like oh hey this is a good idea and it gives me an idea mm. and then you know then later on i'm like oh let me try that again mm-hmm. on my you know on my concert instrument i'm like mm-hmm. oh yeah this is cool so yeah making it making it within arm's reach i think is mm. is very very important and it just keeps you you know, just keeps you more engaged. I mean, not that you have to have like <coughs> ten ukuleles lying mm-hmm. around the house everywhere, but if you can have like two or three different stations mm. set up, yeah. I think that's excellent. Yeah, it's kind of like um, little things you do every day that you don't think about. Mm-hmm. You're really good at them, mm-hmm. like brushing your teeth. Mm-hmm. You don't really practice brushing your yeah, teeth, but you do or it. Tying you know, your shoes twice a day. Um, yeah. That's a great point. Um, so, do you have a lot of time to teach? In general, not now because you're on yeah, tour. Yeah, I, I don't really do teach. I mean, um, uh, once in a while we'll do uh, like these little ukulele workshops. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes the venues that we play at, they have uh, maybe some kind of um, like uh, like when we do shows at uh, on like campus, you know, at some mm-hmm. university campus, they'll do the music department will kind of arrange yeah. something and I'll, I'll be able to do... Uh, workshop or sometimes they call it a master class or mm-hmm. something like that but um but so th- those are those are fun and um I do enjoy that I I haven't really taught in a in a long time I, I mm-hmm. used to before when I wasn't touring and all that I would just kind of uh, I used to teach out of my apartment for for a little while for you know for years like this was back in I don't know like the like the 90s mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah I had, I had a small little one bedroom apartment and yeah you know and people would, they would just come to my house and I would I would teach them and that was that was, that was fun and then later on I kind of opened up a small little school mm-hmm. but then once I started performing and mm. touring then it yeah then I had to kind of give that up is that ukulele Halle? No, no, oh, okay. no. But Jody, who runs Ukulele Hale, used to be one of my assistant instructors mm-hmm. when I had my school. Wow. Yeah, so I've known him for a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I follow yeah, him on Instagram. It's it's so exciting to see Yeah, like, he's, he's doing all the great. stuff he's going you know, all the stuff he's doing. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, so um as a teacher, uh, I encounter this all the time where mm. I'm I'm teaching. It could be one, usually it's with many. Um, where we have all these different levels of motivation. So my question is, along the lines of teaching, what do you think is the key to keeping students engaged when it is difficult? Because one of the things that attracted me to the instrument, and I think a lot of people love about it, is it's relatively easy compared to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, well, I, I think that the important thing um, for, for keeping them engaged is... Um, is you wanna try to um, you wanna try to work in as many extremes as possible, mm. and like a simple a simple uh, just something very simple like for example dynamics. Mm-hmm. So if you're teaching them like uh, if I were teaching them something like Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, right? Dun dun dun, and they're just picking the melody. I would I would say I would make one section of that of of the melody. Um, make it where like they have to stand up and play really loud mm-hmm. you know so they might play like dun 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 okay and then and then then they have to stop it dun 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 you know just like make it really fun 
And I think that keeps them more engaged because they're not just like thinking about just their fingers and their hands, right? Mm-hmm. But now, but now they're thinking about, oh, now I got to stand up and play. And it's, mm. it's amazing. Like what, you know, it sounds really silly, but it, it, it just, um, it teaches the, the kids, I, I think, well, I mean, and I'm talking about working with little kids, right? So, cause I, cause sometimes I'll go to elementary schools and work with the kids there, but I find that whenever they do that they feel this joy Mm -hmm. right they're like they're like oh and they they start giggling and laughing and they'll do silly things Mm -hmm. but i think that's the that's the the great thing because music is so much of a feel and emotion it's such an emotional thing Mm -hmm. that if and 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 we we you know whenever we feel good or bad about something whatever we're doing at the time that's kind of what we associate Mm-hmm. that with right so the more that you can have them smiling and feeling good when they have their instrument mm. then they're going to associate those feelings with the instrument mm. but if they're always like if they always feel frustrated and they always feel like oh i can't do this and they always feel down or they feel bored or they feel like oh i don't really want to do this every time they're holding their instrument the longer they feel those emotions when they're holding the instrument that's what they're going to associate mm-hmm. with it and then so then when they get older they're going to ah you know they're going to shy away from it yeah. and i think that's what happens to cuz i've heard you know you hear these stories all the time like these great you know piano players or violin or, or violinists you know cello players <laughs> They they started playing when they were like two or three years old, and you know, and they they get pretty good, you know, really good. I mean, not maybe not concert or professional mm-hmm. level, but they get really good. But then once they once they graduate high school and their parents aren't forcing them to practice or mm-hmm. sending them to to a school, they quit playing. Mm. They just they just like ah, I'm I'm so happy I don't have to touch that instrument yeah. again because they associate those negative. Mm-hmm. feelings like always being forced to do it or like mm. oh this is oh you gotta practice you know don't come out out of your room until you practice for three hours and and you know and, and i think that that's why that's why some people just kind of um they shy away from mm-hmm. from music you know because they've had such a you know such a different um uh experience right mm. having it I mean, it's like if, you, if every time I told you, oh, touch that pot, and every time you touch it, you get burned, right? Mm-hmm. But no, touch that pot. You got to keep touching the pot. Once someone <laughs> tells you to stop doing it and you don't have to do it anymore, you're never going to touch it, right? Yeah. yeah, so it's it's like, you know, and that that's the thing. when So when the kids are holding an instrument or doing music, you want to make sure that, especially early on, they associate that instrument or music with something joyful. Mm. So that that way, you know, like later on, they're always going to be like, oh, yeah, that that was fun. I want to always do it. And it's not that and you're not trying to get them to be professional musicians or anything. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but you just want them to associate music with something positive. Mm. And I think that's why the more you can you can get them, you can incorporate dynamics or just have them do silly things in the beginning. They'll be motivated because they're like, this is fun. Mm -hmm. And they're not thinking so much just about, Mm. oh, I'm trying to do all this technical stuff. But it's just like. Yeah, it's cool, man. Yeah, so. that's a really good. Uh, <laughs> um, as a teacher, I I've heard that and I know that, and I even try to teach by that. But it's really easy for me to forget that because I can see it now. Just even thinking about classes I teach now, mm-hmm. um, some of the fun is not always there, mm-hmm. and there's that frustration that you're talking about of like, whenever I hold this, it's difficult 
Uh, so that's really good to hear. It's like a great reminder. May, not necessarily like a smack in the face, but it's kind of like, you know, music should be fun. I know yeah. that, but mm-hmm. sometimes it's not because mm-hmm. of, and I'm the teacher, you know, I'm, I'm in control, theoretically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> At least I would hope so. Um, so, uh, finally, there's some other big things that uh, are happening. Uh, I just realized today that you are, you have been inducted into the Hall of Fame of Guitar Player Magazine. Oh, what, what's yeah. that about? <laughs> yeah. Do, do you play guitar? No. That was quite a surprise, you know. I, I, because I, I didn't know that they were going to mm-hmm. put me in there. And, uh, and so it was really cool. I mean, in, in that, in that same, you know, for that same year, it was also um, Jerry Douglas, who's mm-hmm. like one of my heroes, and Brian Setzer, mm. who's another one. I mean, I grew up listening to him when he was with the, the Stray Cats and yeah. all that, man. But <laughs> uh, but the two of them, man, they just, it was just amazing. And then my name, <laughs> you know, and there I am, like, what, <laughs> what am I, what, what's going on? But yeah, it was truly an honor. And you know, Guitar Player Magazine has always been. Um, just very supportive. I mean, even early on in my career, mm-hmm. they've always been just very supportive, um, uh, always very encouraging. Every time I would release a new record or do some kind of tour, they would always kind of help me to mm-hmm. you know, promote it. We'd do some interviews together. And yeah, so, so I, was, I was just very, very honored. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's awesome. <laughs> I was I thought maybe it was like a joke at first. Like, yeah. He plays ukulele and he's in the guitar. And that's awesome, though. Uh, um, so another thing that's happening, going to uh, gear, because uh, all ukulele players love to talk about gear. Mm-hmm. And um, first of all, how many ukuleles do you have? Do you know? I have seven. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. That's not too bad. I've heard of people with more. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kamaka recently announced this... Um, awesome looking ukulele that is your ukulele basically yeah um I, is this the first uh jake shimabukuro model yeah it's my ukulele? first official yep jake okay. shimabukuro um i think it looks Kamakamado. if you haven't seen it uh you need well, this to is see it, it actually this is the, the this is one? what i've been playing now oh, yeah wow. so it actually has my you know, so you're, so, you're testing so it out. My initials, mm-hmm. and, I mean, my not initials, my whole name. I don't know how they fit my entire name <laughs> in the, on, on the frets, yeah, but that's yeah. That's great. So, but uh, yeah, ProWorks did the uh, mm-hmm. did the uh, design there. And yeah, and Casey yeah, Kamaka, Casey Kamaka, who does all of their custom work, um, mm-hmm. all of their custom instruments, you know, he's their, their custom luthier. I mean, he's been making all my instruments. I mean, I swear, he, no, nobody makes instruments like him. Mm-hmm. I mean... And, uh, and Kamaka, you know, Kamaku Kaleles, um, for me growing up in Hawaii, that was, that was like the, that Holy was grail. like the, yeah, the Excalibur mm-hmm. of Kaleles because, um, they were the first, you know, they, mm-hmm. they were the ones who learned from the, uh, Portuguese immigrants who came over to Hawaii to build mm-hmm. instruments and, uh, they invented the modern day ukulele. So over a mm-hmm. hundred years, man, they've been making ukuleles yeah. as as a family business too mm-hmm. yeah which it's is incredible really cool so yeah so it's called mm-hmm. the um it's called the jake blue um the the jake blue uh series and um yeah i'm just very honored because they only so now they only have two signature models and one is otasan oh wow the otasan signature who okay. and otasan was one of my heroes yeah. growing up i mean i grew up listening to his music and in fact the very first time 
I ordered a custom ukulele from Kamaka because mm-hmm. I've been playing Kamakas my whole life. But the first time I ordered a custom Kamaka from, I mean, a custom, yeah, ukulele from Kamaka, it was a custom Otasan signature. Wow. And I never dreamed that someday <laughs> I would have my own signature yeah, that's incredible. model with Kamaka. Congratulations. So it tru- <laughs> you know, it, it truly is the highest honor, I mean, for me as, as a ukulele player. I mean, that... That is uh, just one of the things I'm. I'm just. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for. But, but uh, yeah, they're they're just amazing, man. Their mm-hmm. instruments. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are. So. It's on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my own yet. Um, yeah, it's tough. What do you know? What do I do? What's next? <laughs> um, what kind of strings do you use? Um, I use the Dario strings. Okay. Yeah, the, the Dario Pro Art strings. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tenor set. I think, uh, I, I mean, I've always loved their strings. I've been using them for years. Ever since I was working at a music store um, uh, just out of high school. Mm-hmm. I used to work at a, at a music store in Hawaii called uh, um, House of Music. Mm-hmm. So I had access, you know, to all these different um, classical guitar mm-hmm. strings and all that. and. So back then, I always just I you know I just always loved the Daddario ones because they were they were very warm uh, they were very warm sounding they were very consistent mm-hmm. I mean I so consistent you know um, and I never had any problems with intonation or anything mm-hmm. like that with their strings so yeah I've been and and they're very uh, they're they're just I don't know. They just they just have a certain feel to them that mm-hmm. that, I, that I like. Um, very clean sounding, uh, and uh, yeah. And I, I have a Fishman pickup mm-hmm. under my under my saddle, so it's just a Fishman Matrix. Um, I think they sound great. Mm-hmm. Very natural sounding, um, and yeah, I put a little bit of reverb on there. Just mm-hmm. you know, um, and and for my for my like my other effects like my distortion sounds and all that mm-hmm. yeah i just use a little amp sim and um and uh kind of like this um this uh it's kind of based on like the the old tube screamers you oh, know yeah, it's yeah. the overdrive mm-hmm. thing and uh yeah so i got a pog on there like a little oh, nice. octave that's you know, my favorite octave thing yeah <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just like a looper I have a freeze pedal and mm. So yeah, awesome. but they're fun, man. Pretty big pedal board, right? Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty big one. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, um, Jake, it's been awesome talking about ukuleles. Thank, Thank you so you. much for doing this. Oh no, I appreciate it. It was a real pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Well, there you have it. I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, I hope you got a lot out of that. I know I did. I learned so much from him. Jake also played that song that we talked about, Blue Roses Falling. Even though it was still in the noisy room, he played it acoustically for me, and I'll be playing that at the end of the podcast to close out the show. But first, I just wanted to say thank you again for joining me. I would really love to hear from you. What are you doing today as you listen to the podcast? What do you like about it? What do you hate about it? You can send me an email at podcast at ukuleleabe.com. 
and just let me know how it's going for you. Reviews in Apple Podcasts help. Sharing the podcast with your friends helps. Um, And if you really love the show and love what I do, you can give me about two bucks a month or more through my Patreon. It is at patreon.com slash ukuleleabe. And it's just a way to support what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it takes a lot of work to edit and uh, travel. So the coffee helps keep me awake. (laughs) So please consider that. And I just appreciate you joining me on this journey. Um, I will be announcing the winners of the string contest on the next episode. So if you want to win some awesome crystal-colored koaloha soprano strings, just leave me a review on iTunes and send me an email at podcast at ukuleleabe.com. I got a review from Blaine63. He says, you can't play ukulele all the time, right? Like when you're driving a car. The next best thing, if you're into ukuleles as a cultural phenomenon as well as the music, is listening to a podcast that touches upon all things ukulele. This podcast checks all of the boxes. Highly recommended. Highly entertaining. (laughs) Thank you so much, Blaine. It really means a lot to me to know that you are getting value out of this podcast because it's really something that I just love and I want to give back to the community and I just really enjoy helping other people experience this instrument in a more profound way. So that's going to do it for the show. Thank you again so much for joining me. And to close out the show, here is Jake playing Blue Roses Falling. <laughs>